Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, August 16th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders of several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Weigh-In Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin. Let's weigh in. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Michelle, for doing the intro, and I apologize. I'm trying to, for some reason, my show is set for 15 minutes. I don't think that's going to work tonight, so bear with me if I'm just a little distracted trying to get this worked out, getting everything updated, so 15 minutes can fly by. So just trying to get everything updated and hope everyone had a great week. We are very, very close to college football season. Three weeks from this past Thursday night for some teams, three weeks from yesterday for the majority of college football teams. And we're going to have some fun tonight. At probably around 9, 9.15, we'll talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide. We're going to talk about the Oklahoma Sooners tonight as well. Georgia Tech out of the ACC. Three teams, also the NFL. East, wide open division, a crazy division, and I don't know why this won't let me change the time on my show. Maybe 15 minutes as long as people want to hear me. I don't know what it is. But Sonia, how are you doing tonight? Welcome to the show. Hope all's well. Hey, sweetie. How are you? I'm, I'm having problems here. Believe it or I not. Can I can tell. Can't, I can't, Say, wait a minute. Are they going to kick this out? <laughs> no, I'm trying to... I'm trying to adjust my show, and I, I put an hour and a half, and it's telling me 15 minutes. So we have 12 minutes left in this show unless I can do something in the next 12 minutes. So how's everything going with you? Are you ready for college football? Oh, dude, I am so ready for college football. I'm ready for Alabama. I've looked over the schedule. There's only three teams that have me concerned. The rest I'm not really too much worried about. I am ready for just Saturdays of nothing but football. It's time for the real, real, real part of life to begin. <laughs> the Saturdays have been boring, haven't they, in a way? They oh, my God. Really, Dude. nothing to look forward to. Like, At um, all. You know, like I'm sorry. Season. Anybody who watches that lingerie lounge and <laughs> CF, that ain't football. <laughs> no. Yeah, just, I'm tired just, of just because the football's in it doesn't mean it's football, you know? Exactly. And then I'm sick of them showing these same games. This is what gets me, how people can rewatch a game. I'm like, wait a minute. I already know how that game ended. It didn't end too well for us. So why would I want to rewatch it when I saw all the mistakes the first time? It just seems like all they want to do is just, they just want to replay these games, and it's like, no, I want to see something that I don't know the outcome of. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I only, I only like watching the wins, you know, the exactly. replays of wins. I, I don't want to watch Auburn lose the Texas a and Give up 50 points <laughs> exactly. doing it. I'm sorry. Well, tonight we're going to do a trivia as well. See who can who can answer a trivia question for some possible cash. We'll see if we, if we get oh. ten people that are interested in calling the tenth caller. So if you're not the tenth caller, you can't you can't play. So if you're the third caller, again, you are the only caller. You don't get to play. That's just the way it is. So I'm not giving away free money. How that work? I got my cell phone over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's about 105.1 FM here. So, uh, so we're yeah, we're going to have some fun tonight. NFL's coming, you know, fantasy football. We have a lot of people that like to do fantasy football. And uh, yes. I know you talked about some injured players on your post, Sonia, who not to draft, who to draft. But did you hear the news out of Arkansas today in college football? Well, their best running back is going to be out for an extended period of time due to foot injury, having foot surgery. I saw you. I actually saw you post that in Way In Sports. That was the first I had seen about it. That's gonna be a oh boy, <laughs> Arky. It's like every single time they get to that point, you think they you know just might just just one step away. It's always 
boom, it gets taken right. They just get knocked out their feet. But hey, I mean, it's not the only interview that's going to happen. At least it's happening early in the preseason. Preseason rankings. People people talk about Arkansas and Jonathan's with us as well. Jonathan, I mean, some people, you know, one person in our group told me that wasn't really a big deal that Williams got injured and. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I'm looking at it wrong. But to me, it's a huge deal when Arkansas is a team that runs the football. Not really much of a passing game, but to lose your leading rusher, I think that's a big deal. What do you think? Uh, you know, it, it's a it is and it isn't. And I see why some people say it isn't a big deal. And it's because they recruit the running back position really well, and they have this kid named Alex Collins who is just as good, if not better, than Jonathan Williams. So I understand why there are some people who aren't too terribly worried about Arkansas losing him. I mean, obviously it's still a huge loss anytime you lose an offensive playmaker. But, you know, having Alec Alec Collins in that backfield, though, makes it a lot easier of a loss to take. But, you know, a team that, that, you know, Sonia, Arkansas runs the ball. That's what they do. They wear you down at the end, but is Alex Collins a running back that can just carry the entire load for four quarters without a passing game? That's what concerns me the most is the depth at running back for Arkansas. What if Alex Collins gets hurt? I mean, that's a big possibility. Well, it's that. I mean, when you look at their – let's see, I'm looking at the list now. Let's see, one, two, three, four, four, two, three, four, five. They're like fifth on the list for most returning starters for the SEC. They've got eight on offense, seven on defense. But nobody, like, no special teams, no kicks, no, no kickers, no pronters. Um, and it's looking like – hold on, I'm just double-checking something. Yeah. I'm with you. It's kind of like, wait a minute, dude. You're kind, they're kind of a one-trick pony. And I think the biggest problem with Brett Belima is he thought he could come in and just, like, okay, if I just, you know, tackle this one thing, you know, let me shore up the defense. Okay, now we got the defense short up. Let me go over here and work on the offense. Dude, you got a lot of issues at Arkansas, and, and, a, and a patch isn't going to work. You've got to be able to have one cohesive team, and I think the biggest problem is their turnover down there. He is recruiting well, but they didn't have a lot of depth to, to start with. So it's almost like he's got to get back to zero and then fill the stable up. And I don't think he's even gotten back to zero, really, to be honest, and that's just me. Yeah, and this Arkansas team is a team last year that – that actually the defense was impressive to me. They got better. They lost a lot, Jonathan, on that defensive front. But, I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but when I saw the news, it it, it just made me, you know, concerned for them because Arkansas is supposed to – it wouldn't be a surprise if they won the SEC West this year or came close. But now losing somebody like this, death is important, especially at the yep. running back position when that's what you do. I just think Arkansas could be in a little bit of trouble, but I don't know how much time he's going to miss, so I, I could be wrong. Hey, I agree with that. I mean, let's you know, let's just say you know he misses the first three games. Well, then it's no big deal. Um, I mean, if he's out for the year, you know, exactly what you were saying, that affects the depth to a point, especially missing the year. You know, you lose that depth for a whole year. That's bad. Now you're relying on your third, your third and fourth string running backs to carry more of a load than you originally anticipated, they might not be ready. Um, I mean, the only thing Arkansas has going for it, and this is Brandon Allen, it's either a second or third year as a starter. So he is going to have that absolute comfortability. This can be a second year starting this offense and being able to actually run it to his full potential. So maybe the passing game can off the ground a little bit. You know, it just it depends. Are we going to get are we going to get Danny O'Brien, Wisconsin, or are we going to get Russell Wilson, Wisconsin? And I think that's what we need to figure out what's going on there. Because Russell Wilson, Wisconsin, could at least throw for 220 yards a game. Danny O'Brien, Wisconsin, was lucky to throw for 100. So that's just what Arkansas has got to figure out. Okay, i got to just say, props to Jonathan on that one. Good job, Jonathan. Good job. Good job. But Arkansas is a team. You know, I think last year they – you know, they played good, and they, they beat some teams late in the year that I think were beat, just beat to death. And, and Arkansas was so hungry, they they couldn't get over the hump. And when they finally got over the hump, they started actually playing with some confidence. But they beat 
They beat LSU, I believe, and LSU was throwing the towel in. They beat Ole Miss. Ole Miss threw the towel in. That, that was after losing Treadwell and everything getting bounced out of the playoff. Let's see how Arkansas plays. It's not the 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 hunted really. I mean, this is a, a six seven win ball team now. Let's see how they play by not catching anybody off guard. They're going to get people's best games now because you know they're not a, an zero and eight team in the SEC anymore. I don't think they can be one-dimensional in the SEC and win. I don't think Brandon Allen is a good enough quarterback to make enough throws to be able to classify them as really a non-one-dimensional team. We'll see. The years he's played, that does matter. But without this run, what happens when you lose someone like this run at this kid Williams? Now you put all these carries on Collins even more. What are the chances of injuries happening if this injury goes six games deep into the season, by six games you've already played a couple of tough SEC opponents, the wear and tear happens. That's what worries me the most. The change yeah. of pace is very important for a one-dimensional team. And, and to me, they're one-dimensional. Having a, a home run hitter, having a power bag, having both of them is just kind of, kind of big to me. But some big news in college football, and I'm sure all of you have heard this, Vernon Adams, the quarterback, Finally cleared his math test, cleared to play at Oregon. Jonathan, I mean, I watched this kid play. I was watching him. He's a very good quarterback, but is he going to be here at enough time to be able to make an impact right now and learn a new offense? That's got to be tough because he's a senior. I mean, for him, this is do or die. Uh, you know, you know, it's going to be hard, especially since because he technically wasn't a student at Oregon, they couldn't give him a playbook and the school wouldn't even let them practice with their receivers or their running backs or anything because they don't want another violation and get, you know, slapped with anything worse than what they got from uh, Chip Kelly. Uh, so that right now, Vernon Adams has still has a chance because he's probably the more talented of the quarterbacks they have, or at least athletically gifted. He is, he is athletically gifted. I'll give him that over lock. Uh, but, it's going to be tough taking over, you know, taking the job from a guy who's been there, what, three years now, knows that system in and out, has had, you know, game time, even though it was, you know, prep time. Uh, I mean, I think he can, you know, I, I think Rocky might be able to start this, but Adams might take over that job in week four. Sounds like Jacob Coker doesn't uh, sign yet, kind of like what we saw with Blake Sims and Coker. I was just about to say, that's exactly what it is. It's another Sims Coker. <laughs> and, and if the team is the same team that Bama was, they're going to go with the guy that was there. They're going to go with the best, but secretly in their hearts, they're going to go with the guy who's been there with them in the trenches with them and, you know, hopefully, you know. But if, if, if old boy can come in and can show he can lead them to the promised land, it's like, sorry, bro, you still cool, but uh, <laughs> he can throw and catch. And run <laughs> like little kids. So be Tanya, what do you think about what do you think about Snoop Dogg's son Cordell just not showing up to fall camp, quitting football to pursue other passions? Really, kids? I mean, uh, what do you think Snoop all, thinks about this? First of all, I'm gonna be very, very honest. It never should have been a big deal that Diddy's son was going to USC or Snoop's son was going to UCLA. Because it's not like either one of them were, like, top recruits that every school was looking for. (laughs) That's number one. Number two, if you cannot commit to your word, okay, you said you were going to come here and play football. If it's not in you, good, leave now. Just, you know, be honest. Don't do what you got to do. But don't come back later on or go somewhere else. It, to me, it's just all BS. It's like, so? <laughs> who, who cares? His dad is yeah, paid. Like, I, I never was impressed with him anyway. And, Jonathan, did you watch the show with Snoop Dogg and his son? I mean, I, I never thought this kid had any kind of mental toughness about him, really. And to play college football takes a lot. The Pac-12, you, you have to be able to ball to be able to play in the Pac-12. And, I just don't think he's mentally tough enough. And, you know, Daddy giving him all that money all those years is probably one of the reasons he's, he's not doing it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he was a four – let's not forget, he was a four-star recruit coming out. So it, was, it wasn't like, you know, this, this boy couldn't ball. 
he was a starting receiver. Bishop Gorman was a four-star recruit. Everybody in the Pac-12 was salivating over this kid. You know, he was talented. Uh, but but he was a spoiled brat whose daddy handed him everything that he ever wanted. You know, Peabody's son was was trash. And I'm willing I'm willing to go with that. And Jim Moore said so. But what was he do? What did he do for UCLA? He did nothing. I mean, he not, he showed <laughs> up. He might have gotten an extra recruit or two to come with because they're like, oh, maybe they'll get to hang out with Snoop. I mean, exactly. He hang out with Snoop Lions. And that's the whole reason why they get recruited. But, you know, Cordell was a four-star recruit, so there was some talent there. And it's a shame that he's going to waste his athletic talent to probably go out. Who cares? At the end of the day, he doesn't have to work another day in his life. His daddy's made more than enough money for his great-great-grandchildren. Exactly. I mean, go have fun. Go to college. Go do stupid stuff. I don't care. But if you weren't planning on going about this, and from what I've heard, I've heard some rumblings, was that he was not committal to playing college football during the recruiting process. Some of the coaches asked him how committed he was, and he wouldn't give him a straight answer. That's why some, some of the big schools actually backed off him. So, I mean, I think he just should have been up front from the get-go with them. Just like Towns, the kid that the quarterback at USC got that has decided he wants to leave now, dude's yep. been there five months and now he wants to go. And supposedly he wants to go to Bama. So I'm trying to figure out what what, what what happened. I mean, you've been there five months. Why you Wait, what's his Twitter handle? Wait, that might be my fault. What's his Twitter handle? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I be on Bama on Twitter. I might have talked to him. I don't know. Let me just check and see. <laughs> I watched Snoop's son playing Johnson. He, even though he was rated a four-star, I was I was just <laughs> laughing when they said he's considering LSU. And I'm like, put this guy in the SEC. He weighs about 125. He would get Thank paralyzed you. Thank in the you. first week of the season. This kid, I know he played at Bishop Gore whatever, but this kid was so soft. Bit. I mean, he was he left was the game ridiculous. with his little ankle, and even his dad's calling him a candy ass. You know, what I mean, it, it was Carvin. The one time that I saw, and then I had the the I don't want to say the the fortune, but the misfortune of seeing a highlight video somebody put together of him, and I'm sitting there like, okay, this, this is a joke, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> this really you're really poking fun at him. It's really not a highlight reel. It's really showing how bad he is, right? Like, I'm under the comments looking for, you know, this is, you know, all in facetiousness. This is not real. We're just, we're, we're really teasing him. And I'm sitting there like, dude, how how did you get two stars, much less four? What league are we talking about? Who was the dude that said today that gave his, his, his son's trophies back? That's what Snoop needs to do, because I'm, I'm sorry, Maybe in the Pac-12 out there, he's a four-star and he was, you know, good or whatever. But me looking at this kid after looking at SEC, Big Ten ball all the time, and I'm looking at this kid and I'm like, dude, you couldn't even hang in the Big 12. Seriously. Yeah, the kid going on a recruiting trip and the big game was coming up. He didn't even show up for practice, and he got suspended. And it's just like you could tell he just wasn't committed. But but I, I watched him run his routes, Jonathan. I really was not impressed with him, and it's just for me watching him. But even his dad says, "Son, you're just too soft. You just you're just not mentally tough." Snoop's mentally tough. I think Snoop Dogg's really uh, a tough guy. That you know he he earned his way to get it. I mean it's, he's living off his dad's fame. But I but I want to just throw him out there just as an example of, hey, I was never impressed with this kid. The fact that he quit is is nothing to me. He said he wants to maybe go to film school. Really, he'd rather go to film school than play college football. Go to film school, and then if, after you play four years of college football, then do something else. But this kid just threw away a golden opportunity, Jonathan. Yeah, he really did. I mean, there's not many chances you get to go to college for free and do what you want, play football, be be a big man on campus, you know, I, I, I live the life that a bunch of other people want to live. So I don't understand what his, what his major malfunction is. You know Snoop's going to support him because he's his father, but I bet you at the end of the day Snoop's pretty upset with him too 
because, I mean, we all seen how big of a football fan Snoop tends to be. Seems like he's on the sideline any other week. Well, I'm also looking at He's taking away. Well, think about this, Tarvin and Jonathan. Here's this kid who is just going to throw it away and walk away. Think about all the other kids that were right behind him that would have killed for that spot. That's the only thing that really, like, frustrates me is when guys like this get a chance, and I'm like, if it wasn't for your daddy, mama, connections, whatever, whatever, you wouldn't be on the team. But here's a kid who really deserves a spot, who really has the heart, the talent, and the determination to stick it out. And he's not going to get a, a spot because you, you know, have to just be on the team. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. You're right. Somebody that, that, you know, you only get a certain amount of scholarships because Snoop Dogg's son was going to UCLA. This kid had to go somewhere. Maybe he went down in the division to play and – Maybe he went the JUCO route. Who knows? Just to get up to that level, now he's got to play another year somewhere else that he could be in UCLA. And that's, I think at that point you should be able to go in and pick somebody else up immediately and, and mm-hmm. to be able to get that scholarship. But mm-hmm. I'm just I don't, I don't I think if he was serious about football, guys really. And, and think about it. Think about this. His dad loves Southern California, USC. You know that. I think it showed me a lot when he chose UCLA because I know he knew he wasn't serious about it. So if he if he committed to USC, his, son, his dad's school, and he quit, it would make it look even worse. So he, cho- he chose UCLA as a cop-out, really, in case he didn't want to go the full distance. I, and that's exactly I, I, what I can see that. I can, I can see, see that, that. I definitely can see it. And it's funny, though, but when you say they should immediately go back, be able to go back and, and, and get another person, Tarvin, I might have to disagree on that one because I'm like, if you were stupid enough to sign him in the first place, <laughs> you don't get a second chance. Uh-uh. You don't get a gimme. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree with Sonia on that one. Uh, if you were dumb enough to make him a top priority, right. you're dumb enough to lose that scholarship. Exactly. You yeah. feel me? That's a good point. Good point. Hey, guys, at 9 o'clock, we're going to do trivia. If you're the 10th caller and you answer a question, you get 25 bucks. I hope nobody calls in, guys. I don't want to pay out 25 bucks. But I'm calling if you are the 10th caller, If you're the 10th <laughs> caller and you answer my question within eight seconds, you can't Google it, I'll be able to tell. Trust me, if you're Googling it, you'll either answer the question right or you won't. It's that quick. It's that simple. Don't, don't be a cheater and go to Google. That's something Jonathan would do. We wow. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Just, just, uh, just make sure we we do it the right way. And let's start out real quick in the NFL, uh, NFC East this year. And and we're not going to go too in depth with NFL tonight because we got so much college to talk about. But before we do our trivia, four teams in the NFC East. We have the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Redskins. And to me, this is not a mystery division except maybe the top two, Sonia. You have, uh, I think it's going to be Dallas or Philadelphia, but I don't think the Giants matter, and I know the Redskins don't matter. So who do you think is going to take the NFC East? Oh, God. It is, because if Dallas didn't have that call, it would have been a totally different end to the NFL season last year. (laughs) i got to say Dallas. People want to talk about Romo, but I'm going to tell you, Romo, he can Romo himself out, but he's he's getting better. And now that he's got, you know, actually got some, some targets, he just seems to be on his game. If he can keep that up. And time to throw. Yeah. You know, O-line, protect. <laughs> and if he could just, you know, like we were watching the game, uh, uh, watching the game last night, and it was just kind of like, whoa. You, look, looking at Teddy Bridgewater go through his reads, or it's like less than three seconds. So you know you've got this quick quarterback, quick hands. He knows where his targets are or where they're supposed to be. I don't see that coming out of any other quarterback right now other than Romo. Eli, I, but Eli lost his mojo. I don't know what the heck is going on with Eli, seriously. I wanted to say no O-line, but, dude, seriously, he's not even playing like a adopted Manning. So I'm kind of with you. It's, it's, it's got to be Dallas. Jonathan, Dallas' schedule, you know, 
is a lot easier than than anybody else I've seen in that division. You think getting getting rid of the running back Murray is going to have any impact, or do you think Chip Kelly and the Eagles, with all the turnover, all the different players, different positions, do you think they can compete in this division this year? DeMarco Murray is very talented. That, that we know in college. Uh, if you saw him in Oklahoma, you can tell he was a talented player. He just got dinged up a little bit. Uh, and, you know, you could see the breakout with DeMarco. Or you, you could see him chipping away, but he'd get hurt. I, that was a big thing with him. So, yeah, losing him is going is, to – it is. It's, it's going to take a little bit of a toll on the running game. But here's the thing. Dallas has done such a phenomenal job drafting the past three, four years that they have arguably one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in the NFL. And I, I hate to say that because I'm not a Dallas fan. I think they have a shot at the division. It depends on how the defense plays and if Romo can stay upright and, you know, Ben Bryant doesn't jump off the defense. Uh, Philadelphia, I watched the preseason game today. A lot of talent there. There's a lot of talent. I tell you what, if Sam Bradford goes down, they could slip in Tebow and be ready to roll. And I never want to ever say that again. But Tebow actually looked like a half-decent quarterback today. Um, definitely a dual threat. It looks like he's slumped down so he's quicker. Uh, this defense looks fast. Looks like it knows what it's doing. I think the Eagles, I'm taking them to win the division this year. I, I don't know why, but something's just telling me that they're going to do it. Well, I'm, I'm with Sonya in this one. Um, Dallas, I think, you know, Romo, that, they have a great offensive line. I just think the schedule is more beneficial. I think both teams are playoff teams. I think Philadelphia and Dallas are both playoff teams. But Washington, Gruden, you suck. Your team sucks. You're never going to be anything. And the Giants, like Sonia said, something happened to Eli. I don't know what it was. I think invasion of the body snatchers or something got him because he, <laughs> he's thrown more interceptions. But he does have a, a great receiver. He does receivers. He just can't get any protection. But, man, oh, man, it's a, two, it's a two-horse race right now. It's a two-horse race. It's Dallas or Philly. We're going with Dallas, Jonathan. You can have Philly. and uh, But I think Philly will do it the next year, maybe. Yeah, Philly, to me, Philly just got – they got too much turmoil going on in their locker room. It's too much – too many different whispers coming from too many key players saying too many different things, which means there's a lot of scuttlebutt. There's no camaraderie. There's something going on. Chip Kelly needs to address that. Is there really – or is it disgruntled guys who are who are aggravated and annoyed that they actually got traded? They thought they were untouchable after they signed their extension. Is it, oh, is they're it, all like it, that. Well, <laughs> but that's what I think it really is. I mean, Chip Kelly obviously is not a personable human, but for a couple guys to come out and call him racist, you stepped over the line. We all know it. Lashawn McCoy, you throw women off your bus. I don't want to hear you accuse anybody of anything ever again. I, I let, let me just be clear about that. Deshaun Jackson is about as immature as you can get. So for them to start to throw things out like that, I think it's more of there are already personalities that weren't likable to begin with, and now that they're gone, they're mad that they're gone because they thought they were the face of the franchise and couldn't be touched. I don't think there's actually a problem in that locker room. Well, we shall see. We'll see what happens. Well, I'll tell you I, agree. Right I don't think Tim Kelly's anywhere near racist, and and I think all of them are. It's it's a lot to do with ego, but when you've got actually not even former players, but you know current players, just saying, look, we need to come together, and and a player say stuff without saying it, you know, and when a player keeps saying we need to come together, we need to come together, they are not talking just to the reporter, you know. So something's oh. going on in there that I see. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, it translates better on the field than it does off the field. But I totally agree I'll with the, the Chip Kelly. He is not a racist. Well, Geno Smith getting his butt kicked in the locker room. I will tell you something about the locker room in New York, Jonathan. I mean, how much disrespect do you have to have for a quarterback to, to punch him in the face like that, man? I mean, there's some big problems going on in New York. Well, the, the problem behind this was it's actually it's not even really a team thing. Uh, I.K., I can't pronounce his last name. I, 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 I can't remember uh, how it is. Uh, but I.K., uh, he has a uh, football camp for little kids in his hometown of Pluversville, Texas. 
Well, he bought Gino a $600 plane ticket, got, well, bought him a plane ticket, got limo service, yada, 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 hotel. Well, I'm not being about 600 bucks. Well, Gino didn't show up. Just no showed on him. And the, the story is that one of his friends had died. But apparently he didn't make the phone call to say, hey, I'm not coming. i got to go to a funeral. So IK told Gino, hey, you didn't show up. Can I get my money back? Gino said yes and no, if you will. And the problem wasn't addressed again until, until training camp. So it just sat there and it festered. And it festered. And, and, and you know, it, he just kept stewing on it to where he said something to Gino about getting his money. Gino got all big and bad, got in his face. And as a man, if you point your finger in my face, my natural reaction is to drop you. And that's what he did. I don't think that's true locker room problem. I think that's a Gino problem. I think Gino took a minute and said, I'm better than you. If I'm the starting quarterback, you're the backup linebacker. I don't care if I owe you money. That's, just, that's what I'm getting out uh, of this situation. Uh, There's certain uh, things you don't do. You don't do the quarterback, you know. I mean, look, that's your quarterback. That's your team. That's the, you know, the quarterback is your team, really. You don't have to go punching quarterback over $600 to me. I just think there's no respect for him there. There's nobody that really cares that he is the quarterback. He Vegas doesn't respect Gino. Vegas doesn't respect him. The win total went up after he got knocked out. This is the deal. Is it my turn yet? Because I want to interrupt, though. So. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. This is the way I see it. I'm with you. I don't care what happened. Unless that player slapped your mama, you do not put your hand on another player not like that. Do player scuffles happen? Yes, they do. The players talk about it. We went to Falcons training camp last year. We saw a couple, you know, on field. They scuffle. But to actually throw, you know, like throw bowls, like, oh, we about to throw down? Dude, I understand. <laughs> I totally get it. But for real, bro. $600, and how much is your check? And you tripping on $600? Uh-uh. And you going to break my jaw and attack the quarterback? My concern is more, okay, what were, what were all the other players doing and, and who's doing what while this is going on? And why is everybody now, you know, all these players are like, yeah, he kind of deserved it. You know, this anonymous player, this other player saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go back to what Greg McElroy said in 2011. And I don't care if it is different players and a different set of coaches. It's still the same owners and it's still the same locker room. He said it. There is no control in that locker room. There is no sense of teammanship. There is no camaraderie. There is no leadership. You have a bunch of men who are out for themselves. Until they fix that, the Jets will always fail. That's what I see coming to fruition right now. Look at the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton getting in a fight with with a corner, and it's like, I understand that fight because the guy was hit punching trying to get Cam Newton because Cam Newton actually chased him down, cheap shot at him, you know, got tired of hearing his mouth. But I, I expect more out of Cam Newton. And Gino's just Gino. He just got knocked out, you know. He's just one of those guys. But Cam Newton letting the guy get under his skin, uh, Jonathan, exactly. to the point where – where he hits him, goes and fights the guy because he picked him off. He made Cam look like uh, a junior high quarterback, and he was trash talking. I mean, is Cam Newton, after three years in the NFL, is he not a more mature than that? That's what concerns Thank me you. about Cam Why? Newton right now. Hey, but that, that's what it kind of gets to with this whole situation, even up in, in the Jets. No matter what it is, when I hear players get into serious altercations about stupid stuff, and I'm sorry, $600 to an NFL player is like pocket change. So don't sit here and act like your whole life was going to be ruined because you had to pay $600 for a plane ticket that was never used. Dude, please, you will get that crap back on Friday. So it's just kind of like, aren't you guys supposed to be, you know, we're the veterans. We're the leaders. We're the ones that step in between and say, hold up, we're not going to have this in here. Let's straighten this out like men. That's what I see missing in a lot of these teams. And I see, I see that side of it, the side of it I'm seeing with the Cam Newton thing. You know what? Training camp practice, whatever it is, it's long, it's tiring, it's exhausting. And after a while, if you're a quarterback, you 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 your aggression level is just still to where you just want it to hit on some, you want to hit somebody. I think that whole thing got overblown. 
I mean, there are stories of Bill Parcells and Lawrence Taylor having knuckle, you know, just all out, bare knuckle, going at it brawls. And, I mean, that never affected nothing. They won what? Most. So I think you need a little bit of anger. You need a little bit of fire going on. You know, I, that's how it goes. I mean, Lawrence Taylor punched one of his teammates in the jaw the week of Super Bowl practice in 1990 because Parcells told him to because he didn't think the team was ready. So there's going to be edginess like that. It's just to, to what extent is there. And maybe the Jets situation crossed the line. I'm looking at it going, you know what? There was a clear lack of respect on both sides. Lack of respect and a guy said, hey, can I get my $600 back? Because we don't know what he did with that money. This is a six-round pick making league minimum. We don't know what happened to his money. So I'm well, not going to jump to conclusions well, on I mean, well, how about Cam, how about get Cam? punched. How about Cam, though? I mean, you're trying to you're trying to gain leadership and respect your teammates, but yes, you go hit somebody and try to fight them because they make you look bad. That, that to me, is not a reason to go whip somebody or fight them. Is because they, even though you're tired, they're picking you off. He's he's running his mouth. You have to be mentally tough, stronger than not to go get in a fight. You're the quarterback, the leader of that team. You don't just go fight some guy. I've never heard of it. Have you heard of the guy, Jonathan? that Cam Newton got in a fight with? No, I've never heard of that cat. Exactly. There you go. What does it matter what he says? Who cares? You're nobody, guy. It's okay. You know, I had a bad day, but to me, Cam Newton lost some of that locker room in there by going to get in a fight and wearing a Muhammad Ali shirt the next day to practice. Oh, really? See, now we're just just – I'm yeah, just telling you now, every good coach, every coach that's, that's considered a legend, okay, every coach that we consider a legend, whether it be pro, college, no matter what the sport, the one thing that they all have in common is that their players, they demand that their players respect each other and respect the locker room and respect their coaches. And that's what, to me, I'm just seeing it's just a lot of lack of respect. I mean, Johnson, there's there's a lack of respect on both sides. Yeah, we don't know his money situation, but I'm sorry. If you've been playing football that long and you tripping on $600, you need a new account. So, but anyway, back to that. <laughs> we don't know what the situation is, but there is a lack of respect on both sides. There's a lack of respect from the other players, and that's what I mean as far as this veteran leadership. Because when you hear some of these, these veteran players, the ones who've gone on and they've retired and now they're, they're analysts, and they talk about these situations and they talk about things that happened in the locker room when they were playing, and they always speak about, you know, the, the, the two or three veterans that would come in and be like, no, uh-uh. And whether they were considered leaders or not by everyone, they all had that respect that when they spoke, shut it down. And it just seems like a lot of that is missing in sports. And I don't know if it's because people are retiring earlier. I don't know what's going on, but there is a certain lack of respect for each other as teammates going on in college football and other sports right now. A lot of the stuff from those guys also didn't get out in the media because we didn't have Twitter and Facebook. True. Just saying. Yep. Well, guys, let's get into what we do best here. Let's start. And I want to start with Alabama tonight because we may have to cut off just a tiny bit early tonight. I have business to take care of. But since Sonia's here, Jonathan, I'm sure you don't mind it. The Alabama Crimson Tide is the team we're going to talk about tonight. And Jason, I know I've heard Jason a couple of times. Is Jason going to join us too? Yep, he's sitting right here. <laughs> What's up, Jason? How you doing, buddy? Yep. Good. The first sports well, we're always Well Bama's six and six this year, Sonya. True and false. True or false? Ah, uh, false. <laughs> True. Uh, I agree with it. I agree <laughs> yeah, right. You don't believe it. <laughs> you don't believe that, Johnson. I know you know football too that's, good, but that's an Auburn pipe but, uh, dream right there. <laughs> <laughs> so Sonya, tell us about that. Tell me. us about the quarterback. Tell us about the quarterback situation in Alabama right now. Who do you think is going to be the quarterback opening day? Oh, God, whoever walks out on the field. That is – dude, Alabama fans are so frustrated right now. It's so funny because I saw Ryan, Ryan Fowler from the game, who I forgot yeah. to call him on Friday. Um, he said that he tweeted, he was like, went to the gas station, still hadn't heard back from Saban on who the quarterback will be. We'll let everybody know as soon as we find out. It's so up in the air, and, and, and uh, Coach Saban actually said that he's kind of frustrated. And in front of what it seems from what I'm hearing and from what I'm reading, 
the problem isn't the skill. It's who, which one of these guys is going to step up and take it. It doesn't matter, Tarvin. Yeah, it's like they're all, you know, the skill is there, but he's looking for that, that extra, you know, fire, that extra leadership. And that's all he said. It. He said, I need somebody who's just going to step up and take it, and that's the person that's going to be our quarterback. But I really think it's going to end up being Coker. But Blake Barnett, oh, my God. It's, ba- <laughs> it's basically the in-between year for Barnett. So, I mean, it's all good. Yeah, I like that. I like Coker in this situation. Um, I don't think they're going to put a freshman in there right now. Or, or what, what is Barnett? Is he a sophomore or a freshman? He's a freshman, and when that, but when he okay. starts, oh boy, I'm so looking forward to that kid right there. That's all I'm saying. Him and David. Yeah, you don't put a freshman in the first game against a team like, you know, Wisconsin lost some stuff too. But that's not. You need some experience, some kind of maturity. If Coker starts, I mean, if he loses his job, it'll be after a few games. But I don't see anybody starting Jonathan above Coker right now. Coker's going to be the guy. I think he's the one that can make plays, I think. But if he makes some bonehead decisions, I don't think Saban's going to keep him around too much longer because of that defensive running game, Jonathan. What do you think? i got a question. What happened to Cornwell? Because I thought it was between him and Coker for that starting job. If I remember right, Cornwell was the five-star recruit coming out of high school. So, I, I mean, is, is there something wrong with him? Did he not pick up the playbook after a year? Because no, they're both freshmen. No, Blake Barnett and David Cornwell are, bo- are both freshmen. You got Jacob Coker, then you got Cooper. Cooper's a sophomore. Our junior is uh, Alec Morris. So the, all of them are coming in and they're vying for it. But like you said, he's looking for the one that's going to reach out and take it. Right now, just based on if you want to look at reps, Coker's in the lead. He's got the experience. I mean, I mean if Saban wants somebody to come take it, you tell him good luck with that shit. Uh, I mean, that, that's, that's ridiculous. Somebody's got to come and take it. Come, come, come on, Nikki. You know better than that. Nobody's come and taken it. You've always anointed your next quarterback. He's always given them the crown. That's how it's always worked with him. So don't don't come out and say somebody's got to take it. You wanted Jacob Coker, or he would have never come to Alabama. So just tell Jacob, you're the starting quarterback, so you screw up, let's ride, and we'll see Alabama win 12 games again this year, vie for a playoff spot, and everybody just lose their minds. Alabama's back there. Let's be honest. That's what, that's what's happened. But if he wants to get a little froggy and decide to go with the freshmen, whoa, I mean, could we be seeing an 8-5 team? Because he might not. He's not going to know. You know, this could be a whole new to him. I, I'm really, I really want to see. This is where Saban meets his crossroads because he's run out of, if you will, that quarterback pipeline where he just had this succession after succession. Well, I, I think if, I just don't think Coker's really done anything to make Saban say that. Yeah, you're our quarterback, no doubt. I think that's frustrated Saban because. He thought he was going to come in there last year, and I did too. We all thought Blake Sims doesn't have a chance. We know Coker's going to be the quarterback. But to me, Coker's just not doing what it takes in order to do it. But I think you're right, Jonathan. If he's going to win this year, it's not going to be with a freshman quarterback, and he knows that. I think it frustrates him. Coker's going to be the starting quarterback, but yet it's like you're giving him the job, but you really don't want to, but there's not another choice. You're not going to win in the SEC with a freshman quarterback. I'm, I'm just – I'm just here to tell you. Sonia, what do you think about it? Exactly. And, Jonathan, that whole tirade, this is the deal. You did exactly what Nick Saban wants you to do. You're talking about him. You're talking about his quarterback. How many times has Nick Saban announced to his, his, who his starting quarterback was going to be three weeks ahead of the game? Oh, geez. Uh, well, you're the Alabama fan and you're asking the question. I'm going to take it maybe once. <laughs> never. We zero. never. This is the thing. Zero. We never know. And, and so, basically, the question Tarvin at, was asking was being he was being facetious in a way because we never know who our starting quarterback is until usually two or three days before the game, and sometimes not until the day of the game. You know, not until they present the roster. That's when we find out. So for us, it's just like. This It's just, you know, guess where's Waldo? We don't know who our quarterback is. We know who it could be. It could be one of these five people. We know who common sense should tell us it should be, but we're not the coaches. 
We will find out when we find out. But I'm satisfied with whoever he starts because they have much more experience at choosing their quarterback than I do. Jason, Tanya always says this. Every year before the season, she's like, whoever's going to be on that field deserves to be there. So that's it. It'll be Jacob Coker, guys. There's no, to me, there's no other choice the first game of the season. If you're playing Tulane the first week, maybe it'd be a little easier to, or harder to guess who it's going to be. You're playing Wisconsin, neutral site. Coker did have some playing experience last year, and I mean, he didn't do terrible last year. He just, he just no, he wasn't bad at all. He actually had some great plays, but I think the problem is. It was, <laughs> my Big Ten husband husband just had to throw out cheese heads for the you know for the listeners out there, but I think what people don't realize is because there was so much focus on the offense and so much so much focus on Blake and Lane in his first season that the rest of the guys kind of got brushed aside. You know they were like these also ran stories. You know they didn't get a lot of hype until the season. So now this season you got these guys trying to step up. And I think what he means by somebody stepping up and taking the leadership, he means that. Not step, not like, yeah, this is my ball, this is my team, but somebody to step up and be a clear leader. Because right now, that's one of the things that Reggie Ragland even talked about. We didn't have enough mature veteran senior leaders. We didn't have enough leadership on the team. And what that starts, it starts with a quarterback. So you need a quarterback that the entire team is going to stand behind, listen to, and, and, you know, be led by. And that's what he's looking for. Which one of these guys? And right now, yeah, come on, it's Jacob. We're not stupid. Yeah. Well, let, let, I got two things here. I got I got two. One, not enough senior leadership. Welcome to LSU's problem, having every underclassman declare. But, two, I keep hearing that Jacob Coker is very poor in practice. Uh, he struggles a lot. He gets frustrated. He has tantrums. Is there any truth to those rumors? I have not heard that. And I know three people that post about practice, especially Alabama scrimmage when it starts, every single day, one being Ryan Bowler. Never heard that. Okay. I just heard it from – I just heard a couple rumblings from some SEC guys. I I I wouldn't say they're Alabama fans, but, you know. SEC people. Yeah, I've, yeah. Not, I've not heard that. And I'm not saying it's not true because, you know, I'm not there and I don't know what happens when the camera's off. But out of all the things coming out, I've not heard that. Okay. And and you got to think of who he's going against in practice, too. He's going against some very good defensive players, which could be frustrating. They could make you look bad. And, Jonathan, looking at Alabama's offense, really they only turn a couple of starters. Granted, there's some people who have played. They, Two offensive linemen. Could that be a frustration for for Jacob Coker? Really not having that experience on the offensive line he needs. That would be a little frustrating because there wouldn't be the same cohesiveness. There wouldn't be the same rhythm, chemistry. You know, you're, everybody's relearning except for you know, maybe, you know, like Derrick Henry's coming back, something like that. I mean, they're going to have a whole new offensive line. That's tough. That's really tough. But if you got the same center, which we do, that should make up for it. Now, that is something I am hearing, that our center is stepping up and that that O-line is being – they're coming together. The only problem is – Hello? Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. Go ahead, Tanya. Oh, no, I just I was just saying that we that our center is still the same. We still have the same center. We've still – we've got four returning starters on our offense. We, our offense struggled last year, late in the season. We know that. We were weak in the corners. We know that. But when I look at we've got eight, eight starters coming back on defense. I mean, our front seven is supposed to be the best front seven in college football. I'm not even tripping on our defense. Our defense has made it known. Each and every one of them have stepped up and said, no, we, we want to become the defense that people feared when they heard they were playing Bama. I'm not tripping on them. Offense – I was a little bit worried, but from what Ryan and a couple other people who are there and allowed on the practice, you know, on the practice field, and they see these guys, and they see them every day, they, you know, they see them run these plays. I just think that our offense is not going to be as bad as people think. 
And I also think that Nick Saban doesn't mind that people think that the offense is weak. you got to understand, yeah. Saban loves to play mind games. He's never going to let you know what he really has. I think it all depends on the quarterback play, really, for Alabama this year. Looking at the schedule, it's an SEC schedule, but you go as far as your quarterback. Sam's played some great football last year. He had Amari Cooper. The defense struggled on the backside. So let's look at the schedule real quick, looking at the month of September, Jonathan. Wisconsin, the neutral side, Middle Tennessee, Ole Miss, and La Monroe. So they, they really leave the state, of, the state of Alabama one time, a neutral field. I think they go 4-0 and in the month of September. What do you think, John? I agree. I think a 4-0 and September is most likely. Sonia, what do you think? 4-0? 4-0. All right, October gets tough, man. October is <laughs> is brutal. They go to Georgia. They host Arkansas. They go to College Station, and then they come back and host Tennessee, Jonathan. That's tough. I don't see a bye week in there. Two tough road games and two tough home games, really. It is. That's that, 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 you know, going to be the month that's really going to tell you, you know, it's going to make or break their season. I mean, they honestly, they could lose to uh, Wisconsin or an Ole Miss and still recover. When you get to that middle part of the season, you suffer a loss. It's, a loss. it's really hard to turn it around because, um, you know, things have a habit of spiraling, it seems, in October for teams. Um, I think Alabama uh, goes ahead and they, they, they do go 4-0, but, I mean, that's, that's very tough for me to say that. Sonia? I think we can get through each each of these. I think we're undefeated think... up until our week of the 31st until we hit LSU. And I'm just being honest because I've looked at what these teams, what they're bringing back and what's going on with them, and it's it's to me it's our game to lose. Yeah, definitely. Alabama will be the favorite in all four of these games. But remember, to me, I look at, you know, the SEC. One thing I talk about, we all know the grind of Wheat, Georgia, Arkansas, right. at A&M, Tennessee. I think a Georgia team could beat Alabama because the game's on the road. How good is their quarterback going to be? Remember I said could. Arkansas never has played well in Tuscaloosa. I don't think they have enough offense to really – do anything against that Bama defense. We saw them struggle last year against Bama trying to put up points. At A&M, really, the, we don't really know A&M, nope. how good they're going to be. We know the offense is probably going to be good. But one reason A&M will struggle with Alabama is they can't run the football. And nope. that's going to be a Tennessee. Nothing. Yeah, Tennessee, the the traveling right there. So I, I'm going to be risky here. I'm going to say Bama, may, they, they may lose one game here in October, but – they, they're going to be favorite in every one of them. It's not like they're just they're going to get beat down or something. They should win all these games, but two tough road games and two home yeah. games back to back to back to back. So November is going to be tough for Alabama Ooh. as well, Jonathan. They, they they do host LSU. They go to Starkville. I don't think that'll be too difficult, but they do go to Auburn. So will that Iron Bowl mean the same thing as it, as it has in the years past, maybe a couple of years ago, where you had Alabama and Auburn playing for the SEC championship, really? Uh, oh, you remember in 2013 my prediction on the Iron Bowl. Um, and and um, Sonia might or might not. Uh, if you don't, Sonia, this will feel like deja vu. I'm taking Auburn to beat Bama. I think that's going to be Bama's only loss this year. Uh, I think they close to 11-1. Uh, no SEC West. Uh, title though, I think Auburn actually is, is going to take that with that win. It's going to be a huge win. It's going to be a great game. You got two fantastic teams going at it. Auburn's more set up the quarterback position. Their offense is more explosive. As their defense becomes average, that becomes one of the scariest teams in football. And that's where I think Will Muschamp's really going to make his money this year. I'm going to take Auburn to win that game. It's going to be Bama's only loss. Well, Jonathan, if Alabama goes 11 and one, do they make the playoff? Strong possibility. I'm going to be very honest about that. Uh, there is a strong possibility of that, especially if Auburn wins the SEC championship game. Now, if Auburn goes to the championship game and loses, it hurts Alabama's resume, clearly. But if Auburn wins that, I think Alabama has a strong chance to make that playoff as a four seed, um, and that they're a very good team. I think that will be fun to see if they can do it. But, you know, you got to have 
got to have some dominoes fall their way. You're going to have an eight, you know, team conference champions with two losses, I think, for Bama to sneak in. Mm, I see, see, TCU and Baylor didn't get in because of their name. If Alabama runs that schedule, and finally you tell me what you think. If Alabama run their first 11 games, lost a close one to Auburn, I think Alabama gets in. I mean, because of, the name, in. because of their schedule. Because of their schedule. Exactly. Come on now. Let's let's look at Alabama's strength of schedule. Number one on Sagara. Number four, Field Steel. Number four, NCAA. We have what we call the SEC schedule from hell. Last year, Auburn had it. I think the year before that, who had it? Was it um, Florida? Florida, Tennessee. Tennessee, maybe. I think it might have been Tennessee, but we all get the SEC schedule from hell when you're just back-to-back-to-back. The only game that I am very, very concerned – or I even says the only only game that concerns me is the Iron Bowl, and that is because when you look at Alabama and Auburn right now, they are basically evenly matched. I mean, yeah, you got some that have a little bit, but some a little bit more over here, more cons, more pros. But when you look at two teams that are evenly matched – and you put those two up, and, and all they want to do is ruin the season for the other one, that's what makes the Iron Bowl so much fun. I i am not going to sit here. You will never, ever, ever hear me pick Auburn to win. That's not going to happen. I'm still going to pick Bama. But it's going to be a close game unless Auburn shows us during their season that they don't have their O-line and their D together. Now, Woody's coming back. Woody's put on some weight. Woody is coming back, and, and what was it Will said not too long ago or, or some, sometime at the beginning of this week that he was unblockable, that he was just yeah. unblockable. When I hear that and, and knowing him and, and, you know, seeing the pictures of Ming of the, of the fridge being full and then empty after he comes over, <laughs> I know this kid is huge, and I know he's got the determination, and he wants to be a leader, and he stepped up to become a leader. So when you've got that type of leadership in, in the Auburn locker room, Versus what I know what's going on at Bama, I'm looking forward to that game. It's just it's one of those it'll just come down to the final seconds. But I'm of course I'm going with my tie. Yeah. What's scary this year is is nobody's really talking about Alabama and it's been a long time really. It's been since two thousand nine really. Since it seems like that every year you think about it, Bama, Bama, Bama number one, Bama number one. This is the year where everybody's talking about Ohio State and T C U and Auburn, but you know, nobody's really talking about the Tide, which is scary to me because that's what Nick Saban wants. He wants you to exactly. leave him alone, let him do what he wants to do. He can Carbon, look at his players help. and get their attention. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it's just scary because we we know you look at recruiting the last seven years or whatever, Bama's owned it. I know, you know, these offensive linemen are new, but these are these are great recruits, great talent, great coaches, and – I don't know. It's a tough schedule, but if they do go eleven and one, and I'm gonna pick Auburn too, and I'm, you know, I'm an Auburn guy just because that game's at home. If Bama goes eleven and one, they're in the playoff, and and oh, yeah. I don't care Baylor, TCU, whoever, as long as they're not undefeated. But I think this is the year that maybe two of the Big Five conferences get left out, or the Power Five, so. and yep, you have a Big Ten, you have maybe two SECs, and you may have a, a Big 12 or a Pac-12. So I, I just think that could be the year. But Alabama's 11-1. I'll bet everything I have in my pocket, which is not much. Um, they're going to make that championship or make the, I, make the playoff. I'm sorry. No, I totally agree. And, and Jay, the one thing, Jason and I were kind of giggling when you said that because, and Jonathan, you might not know this, but <laughs> a couple of years ago, uh, when things are kind of quieting down about Bama, and I told Tarvin, I said, it's a secret. If you notice, it's a pattern. Whenever Tar- the, the thing about Saban, he doesn't want you talking about Bama. He wants you focused on somebody else so you don't worry about nothing he's doing over here. And I think one of the best, um, best comments or best sound bites that ever came out was right before we played Notre Dame. And that was during, it was during that season when, when kind of the, the Bama talk was dying down, but then, of course, Bama was, was winning. And D.J. Mosley said, he goes, dude, there's plays that we haven't even touched yet. Do you think this is all we got? Coach will never let you know all we got. That's all I needed to hear. So I never trip. I love it when we're not in the news. And plus it's time for other people to be talked about. Ohio State, the Big Ten, they deserve to be talked about. I mean, they, they won the first – 
college football playoff. Come on. The Big Ten is rising. Minnesota, I am so looking forward to Coach Kill. I think Minnesota can win the West. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot under the radar, flying under the radar right now with Alabama. And that's just how they like it, Jonathan. Um, you have to expect them to, to make a push. The LSU game doesn't doesn't concern you much, Sonia, November 7th? Not, it, not that much, only because I don't know what – you and I talked about this because they've got like eight and eight, eight returning starters on both sides of the ball, okay? They've got their, their kicker and their punter returning. But they just fell up. There's something happening down there that's just a disconnect because you've got all of this talent, but they just can't seem to get it together. I'm like, wait a minute, guys, hold on. How do you blow a lead? How do you play this game so close? So I'm not sure what's going on down there. I just I can't really put as much faith in LSU to be that – you know, regular LSU we're, we're used to, you know, until we see something better. They haven't been putting out LSU product, let's be honest. Quarterback. Well, it is quarterback, but it's also I – mean, Jason's right, but it's also play calling. And it's Les Miles yes. has no faith in, in anybody. He just runs the ball no matter who their quarterback is. Jonathan, tell me if I'm wrong on this. He's going to run it and uh, – four times straight, no matter what. I mean, he could have a great quarterback and we'd never know because he does the same thing week in and week out, every game, he never changes. And I think that's LSU's problem now. They don't adjust. They don't change. And that's why they're they struggling let, the last Les should never be allowed to call any plays. All he needs to do is stand there with the headset on and recruit. Don't let him call nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree with that. Why hire Cam Cameron if you're not going to let him actually call the plays? I mean, yeah, he's a good teacher, and he, you know, he helped out Mettenberger and, and get drafted by showcasing the talent he has. But uh, you know, Les Miles, and it's weird because if you watched his offenses at Oklahoma State, they didn't just run the ball every down. So I don't understand where Les is coming from, and I think Les is starting to hit that Mark Rick, and it's weird saying it. But he's trying to get that Mark Rick factor to where the fans are tired of him. And even though he's a winner, they're, now, they're, now they're just like, all right, well, you know, we won a championship in 2007. When's the next one? We're, we're, we're waiting on it. We're tired. And it is because Bama and Auburn have won, you know, have won theirs. And, and I get that. But still, I mean, we're talking about LSU, who not that long ago was considered one of the dominant powers in the SEC. And it's still a team that, you know, strikes fear in a lot of people. I, I, I think, you know, it's that Townsend game from a couple of years ago where they struggled with Townsend that I think has lowered the reputation. And all their players getting arrested doesn't help. I mean, if you can't keep your guys out of trouble, then what's the point? Jonathan! 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 Don't come at me with that, Sonia. Don't do no, it. No, I'm high five, dude. I'm <laughs> yeah. high fiving you right now. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. The Rick comparison, dude. I was standing up. I had my fist in the air. I'm high fiving you, bro. Break it down. Truth. Listen to the man. I'm done. Go right ahead. I'm sorry. But that, that's what it is. I mean, you have, and Rick has is going through the same thing. You're having what seems like five guys a year getting arrested. The only difference is that Georgia, Rick kicked them right off. Russ Miles is trying to find a way to sneak him back on the roster by, you know, I'm pretty sure there's hush money going towards the kids that they robbed. And we're like, oh, well, we're not going to press charges now. Why? Why? Give me a good, legitimate reason why and let me see your bank account. I mean, what's going on in Baton Rouge right now? They can't get a quarterback to stay consistent. And they can't keep their guys from, from really getting in trouble. I mean, people want to talk about Florida State. LSU had five guys arrested this summer. Three of them for, for assault. And, I mean, they're talking at least another two for robbery. I mean, hello? I can't, I can't say too much. <laughs> I can't say too much. I'm sorry, because Bama, we already had our arrest. So go ahead. I'm just going to be quiet while you talk about that. <laughs> and I know it's super critical coming from a Florida State fan, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, LSU just seems to have more of a discipline problem than most schools around the nation, and I think that's leading to the the, dis, the discord with Les Miles the same way it led to it with Mark Rick. I mean, half of Louisville's secondary part of George's stud recruiting class three years ago. And what did that tell you right there? And that, they didn't transfer on their own free will. 
Them boys got kicked out. So, I mean, Lux Miles has got to figure out something. Or they might, he might be looking at a lack of institutional control, which is almost a death penalty in college football. Yeah, but they're not afraid of Les Miles. These players aren't. The players aren't afraid of Mark Rick. And, you know, Saban's been there a while, too. After a while, you know, it's just like, oh, that's Nick Saban, you know. You don't see as much as you do at LSU in Georgia. But these kids just don't have any kind of fear about them. I mean, they, the, back in the old days, the coach would be able to, to punch you in the face, you know. And that's, that's when, you know, you really – you could put the fear of God in them. But, guys, we're going to have to run. I'm going to have to run, and we'll be back Wednesday night. We're going to go back to our two shows a week. But I'm okay. sorry. I know we have Georgia Tech and Oklahoma we need to do, but uh, we will do them Wednesday night and add another team. But until then, guys, thanks for joining us. Have a great week. No problem. Week, thank we'll you for a great Wednesday. show. And, Jonathan, great conversation and some great points, bro. Uh, thanks, Sonia. And, Brian, of course, as always, it's always great to, uh, to conversate with you. And I look forward yeah. to talking to you on Wednesday night. I mean, I got to school. Hey. I'm starting college back up Monday, so I'm going to need y'all Wednesday night to keep me sane. <laughs> Good um, luck. We, Good grade. We can do that, man. Good luck, guys. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. All right. All right thank you.